Anime Pulse, episode 536. Episode of Anime Pulse. I'm your host, Joseph. Joining me today, as he always is, is Andrew Chan. Hello, nice to meet you. Yes, I'm I believe we've met already. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> as, as if you're a new listener, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> ah, yes. To all of our new listeners out there, hello. Uh Guten Tag. Um mm. Bonjourno. Bonjour. Yeah, bonjour. Uh, uh, ni hao. Hola. <laughs> What's that in Japanese? Oh yeah, konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Um. Um. What else could we, we say hello in? in What's Italian? Uh, I thought it's Bongiorno. Uh, oh, is that Bongiorno? Oh, that's Bongiorno. Bongiorno. Did you say hola? Oh, oh yeah, I said did hola. Did you say hola already? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, hola. Como estas? Me estoy bien. Hey, is that a third person on this call right now? It's just gonna. I'm not racist. What about you? I'm gonna go get my uh, uncle oh, and his it? fat wife. They have five kids. Is this a. Uh, was this. Are we still on Italian or is that, is that like Mexican now, actually? I think that's a uh, Mexican. That is yeah, a Mexican, stereotypical yeah. Mexican <laughs> accent. No, 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 no. This is very, yeah. Anyway. We're gonna get sued for being racist. Na, 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 na. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. So this uh, episode of Anime Pulse, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it is a, an uncensored, uh, streaming to you at a slightly slower bit rate because you didn't pay the extra thirty dollars that the, uh, the new, regulation free, um. <laughs> internet providers are now charging you because by the time you hear this it'll be past december the 14th which is when the vote goes into effect where the fcc will be removing the regulations on the uh the internet there will be no more net neutrality oh yeah so what does this mean (laughs) so uh over here in the states um actually 
yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go over this first before we go over RL news. Over here in the yeah. States, we got this thing called net neutrality. Basically, it's a thing during the Obama administration where he put in this law that says that the federal government will uh, demands basically that all internet providers treat all the websites and content that they can provide other people equally. So that means that no traffic on the website gets priority. YouTube traffic, oh. Google traffic, you know, like that little third-party website that that guy just opened up using his Save Together dollars, all of it gets the same priority, and it's all algorithm-based on how we get our information because all information on the Internet travels in packets. So it's pretty fair to say that the Internet is kind of built like a highway, cars of packets of information going to and fro with these red lights and green lights and yellow lights changing all the time. Well... When that goes away, that basically means that the companies can say, hey, you, wanna, you want a faster connection to YouTube? You can give us a little bit more money. Hey, you want to you wanna get to that website? You got to give us a little more money. And it also ah. allows them to say like, well, that website didn't give us $30, so we won't list it. Or when you search ah. for this website, it won't show up because it's not, you know, it's not giving us extra money. Or it will take an extra, like, five minutes to load the web page, and by that time, people will just leave. Damn, that sounds pretty scummy. It is. Um, and it's all because, uh, I believe his name is Ajit Pajit or whatever, some Indian Verizon Wireless fuck who uh, came from Verizon Wireless, was a lawyer for them. Very fair that he now runs the FCC, basically, because he's the chairman. Trump put him in there. Good on you, Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, has basically said that he doesn't care what other people say or think. He's getting rid of net neutrality. It's because he made this promise way back in the day to get rid of it. And he's uh, going to pull through on it because the current council on the FCC is made up of a 3 to 2 ratio of Republicans to Democrats. So Democrats both said we're going to vote for against, you know, against this getting rid of it. And all the Republicans are like, we're going to vote for it. So that means it's going away. Even though even Ajit Pajit, whatever his name is, has been receiving death threats and even notices on his house that says, like, if you put this through, you're dead, man. (laughs) So, you know, whatever that idiot thinks he's going to accomplish, he'll probably end up dead by the next week sometime. Oh, jeez. Yeah, a lot of people are pretty upset about this whole thing. And it's, you know, pretty understandable because uh, the Internet is, I as I would consider it, a utility. A lot of people are very happy with the way things are currently in respect to the treating everything fair. You know, yeah, you may say, like, I don't like the Internet. It's too slow or it's charged too much. Well, how would you like to get charged more? And get even slower speeds, because that's what's coming, my friends. Here in the United States, mm. we will no longer, we will no longer be able to just enjoy the internet. We'll now get packages where it's like, you want YouTube, thirty dollars. You want Amazon, twenty bucks. You want eBay, you know, ten bucks. You want, you want a little bit faster connection, fifty bucks. Hmm. Yeah. Is there any perceivable? positive or plus sides for all this so the uh, devil's advocate mm. side to this whole shabacle is basically 
the thought is, and this is the fantasiful thought of the Republicans, that it's going to be a trickle-down effect, that companies will no longer be able to have the foot of the government on their neck, so they will be able to breathe freely and trickle down money upon the lower people on the ground by, you know, determining how the... Uh, speeds should go to certain places and by being able to charge more to offer premium packages to different uh payers out there which is kind of what we already get um that they'll be able to do it even more and they'll be able to earn more money and that money will actually eventually reach down to the little guys but we all know that the one percent likes to stay the one percent they don't like to give their money away and they definitely don't like to spend it on the little guy yeah. <laughs> so what that basically means is that come 2017, the December 14th, 2017, the internet as we know it will be no more. Now, everyone out there may be saying, well, herp a derp, the internet was just fine in uh, 2014 when, you know, there was no FCC regulations. That's because back then the companies were kind of just getting away with it. In fact, when this whole internet neutrality thing went into place, you didn't notice it, but that's because the companies didn't want you to notice it. I mean, what would you have thought if all of a sudden you woke up one morning and you're like, holy shit, my internet's really fast now. Like, that's really weird. Well, that's because, mm -hmm. my friend, that the companies didn't want you to see that. So they did a little bit of tweaking here and there. Currently, it's fair. Currently, everyone gets the same amount of speed. I mean, you can pay more money for, you know, like, oh, faster connection, more download speed, stuff like that. That's fine. Yeah. But how yeah. would you like to not be able to access that uh, Anime Pulse website? Because we're not going to pay uh, Comcast the extra money where our servers, you know, are located. So now no longer will you be able to reach Anime Pulse with the current speeds. You will have to wait an extra 30, 40 seconds to load the web page. That sounds awful. It does indeed, but that's what's coming. Mm. Yeah, it's wow. uh, pretty annoying, especially since Ajit Pajit, who has said that, uh, hey, I'm not, I don't care what other people have to say, I'm just going to do this. Millions, millions of Americans, some pretty big names out there, even people within the FCC themselves, not on the actual council or chairman or anything like that, but people out there have said, hey... This is bad. Stop it. And Ajit Paji's just like, yeah, fuck you. You work in the government, douchebag. I know you are a Trump guy, but uh, you have to listen to us because you, the government works for the people. At least that's about supposed to work. <laughs> that's fanciful yeah, thinking, that's, too, I know. That's, that's but, what uh, we like to think, you know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know. Why is cool? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've, yeah. I've seen some of the stuff out there, and if things change dramatically, like if Comcast, Time... Warner, now Spectrum, Verizon, all get to do whatever they want to do. The thing is, people will be charging more, or be charged more, to have the same connectivity they have now. The websites that currently load nice and smooth for you, you may see a dip in, and other websites you may see blazing fast to you. Namely, we'll all probably see YouTube going really quickly. Right. So... Mm -hmm. Because the, the the biggest amount of traffic isn't actually like video games, it's video. Yeah. So, you, you know, you may be thinking like, oh no, the internet is really not going to affect me because I just play video games. Okay, but now you won't be able to go to 
YouTube and watch your stuff lickety-split unless you pay a little bit extra money. Now you're going to have to sit through longer load times. So, yeah. Yeah, unless you pay them a little bit more money. In which case, you'll have the same speed you'll have now. It's uh, it's not great what's coming. No, it doesn't sound very good at all. It's not no. sure it sounds really kind of depressing, actually. It is. The United States is currently a depressing place. And I don't blame Trump for all of it. I mean, I consider the guy to be kind of a puppet. Um, that the Republicans mm-hmm. are kind mm-hmm. of just, you know, shoving their hands up and being rop, 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 controlling him. Because I yeah. don't think Trump really is that bad of a guy when it comes down to it. He's a no. no. He is a uh, he is a businessman, not a great businessman, not by any standard of his track record. With uh, how many times he's had to file for bankruptcy would be any example, but at least he has still maintained success. In the end, yes. he still has a lot of money, and he still has mm. a lot of influence. Yeah. So, I would say that he's. A pretty good guy to get us, or at least try to get us started on the right path with America getting out of debt. And I think that's the reason why he was hired, because people were pretty uh, pretty upset hired for getting voted in, because people were just like, you know, we, we need, and not, and not the popularity vote, because Hillary won that, but the, mm-hmm. the Electrical College who voted been in mm-hmm. probably was all like, Hey, we need someone to fix the financial situation in America right now because we're kind of fucked and we still mm-hmm. are fucked. He hasn't really fixed any of that. So that's a moot point as well. Hey, how's it well, going with your that. week? Oh. <laughs> hey, the what? Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to move us on from <laughs> talking about oh, politics, right. which politics. I'm sure everyone out there yeah, wants yeah. to hear us talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Kind of Tim uh, and Will tall it in, but no, what was your question? Oh, no, I was going to say, from what I, what I know, um, the limited knowledge I have from over here, while she did win the popular vote, I, from what I remember, I think they, both the candidates weren't really well-liked anyway. Like, they were two of like, the least popular candidates ever or something. Yeah. Like, something like that. Yeah, if Hillary so. hadn't um, bought out Bernie Sanders, um, because that's what she did, she kind of just was like, hey, kind of step down and let me do this, because otherwise we'll lose. Well, you lost anyway, so congratulations. Um, she wasn't yeah. popular because of A, her husband, uh, B, uh, because she's not a great politician. Uh, she's kind yeah. of a, I call her a Navy Pammy. She's a weak hearted politician. She doesn't really, mm. I don't think, have the stuff to make the, yeah. I don't want to say the big boy decisions, but like, when it comes down to it, like the whole federal aid thing, if she was in office, I'm sure there'd be a lot more federal aid going to Puerto Rico and whatnot. But with Trump, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we can't give you a lot of money because, well, we don't got any money to give you. So handle it on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, uh, yeah, she wasn't liked. <laughs> Not by, <laughs> yeah, it, it so. was a full 50 50 split with her. It was either you hated her or you loved her. There were I like no the way really South people. Park put both candidates. You, you know about the the way the South Park put it, where it's like you have to choose by the choose for the giant douche or the turd sandwich. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> it was. At least with um, when it was Obama, he was a fresh face. People really didn't know him too well. But he I... was black. He was young. 
he had all this, you know, like change promises and stuff like that. And it was like, ah, the dream is alive with this man. Let's get him in. Uh And we got him in and he did all right. I wouldn't say he was terrible. You know, he did okay for a Democratic Mm -hmm. president. But, you know, he still didn't really change anything. Yeah. Except for the FCC thing. Like, I love net neutrality. Thank you, Obama, for that. Sorry, it's going away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Second, then, like, a list of things that he put into place that seems to be kind of being swept away now. Yeah. And so that brings us full circle. Let's go into IRL News. And you're starting us this week, remember? That's right. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm... uh... Reporting to you in today with my, uh, that's not brand new, but my now repaired computer, my uh, nice scan and game computer that, um, you know, a while back it got broken. It turned out it wasn't really broken at the hinge. It was broken. It was actually the monitor itself that was actually suffered most of the damage in that it was opening up from the inside. Um, there was like a loud click I heard one time when I closed it, and I think that was probably like the inside of it just gone and oh. uh, it opened up. So it was working, but it was very unstable. So... It finally came back this week, um, which is great. Um, and, you know, I don't have to have two devices up uh, to Skype you and uh, record the podcast at the same time. Um, and also, um, I'm now able to play some Street Fighter again and continue my, my rise for the ranks, though I haven't really played any competitive since then. But I'm getting kind of hyped at the moment because, um, uh, if you don't know, there's a new version of Street Fighter V coming out called the Arcade Edition. That, they, that they've announced. I think it's coming out very soon. Don't know the exact date. Maybe January? I'm thinking. Okay. <clears throat> but, you know, thing is, with fighting games in general, um, it still keeps a lot of that kind of classic feel where, um, you know, back in the old days, back in my day, um, you had the home console versions of games and then there was the arcade version, especially when in regards to fighting games. And it was generally an accepted thing that the version that you play in the arcades, you know, from Mortal Kombat to your Street Fighters, were always the better versions of the game. Oh, of course. It didn't matter which one. Yeah. So whenever you tap something like Arcade Edition to like something like Street Fighter or something, it always just makes it feel a lot more grand, a lot like bigger, with like a lot more features. And I suppose that's not really a hard feet to reach especially since five was um quite uh is the word tepid in the amount of features it had uh, to offer you for the single player experience they did add a story mode half a year later but there was still no arcade mode in the game which is like it'd been a feature since the very first game and it's just a standard for any fighting game to have an arcade mode where you go through like a bunch of fighters and a boss at the end so they will be adding that now finally um Anybody who already owns a version of Street Fighter V will get the update for free into the arcade edition, but they won't get all like the if you buy, if you buy it new, you'll get all the DLC characters for it. So that will include characters like Zeku, Minat, uh, Ed, all the way to like characters like Akuma, um, and who knows what other characters they'll release for it, which is very exciting. You know they're apparently going to support the Street Fighter V, I guess, brand now. I thought they just meant the original one, but they'll be supporting this game till. 2021 apparently but who knows that that might also differ depending on how much money it ends up making i guess which is what it kind of comes down to um <clears throat> really excited to, for it because it also means that there will also be new moves added to characters um uh, i've got as i've gotten sort of more upper tier when it comes to fighting games you do start to notice a bit more of the complaints people have with something like street fighter in that 
their skill ceiling's quite low down actually comparatively with other fighting games. There's not like you need to have really long combos, but you get into a lot of situations where it's like 50-50. Will they either go for a grab, will they go for like a heavy punch, or will they try and cross you up by jumping over your head? Like, there's not that many options defensively to react. You kind of are just kind of guessing a lot of the times of, oh, I think he might do that, and he might do this, you know? So it's more of just the mind games itself than a little bit of like the skill factor and being able to express yourself with some uh, you know, more complex combos that you might see in something like Street Fighter 4. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what balances they add to the game. Um, as, as you get further on, you start to pay attention to things like frame data, like, oh, I wonder if they'll add a free frame attack to this character. But, you know, that probably sounds really boring to people who don't play fighting games very much. But they do make a big difference once you get to, like, an online play scenario um, where it can, like, suddenly flip, where the best character ever could suddenly become, like, seriously nerfed compared to one character who just gets that one move, that one move that like pushes them all the way to the top, you know. So it'll be interesting to see how the balances happen for that. Um, besides that, I've all, you know, we're getting kind of close to Christmas now, so I've been doing some Christmas shopping. I'm on the market for a Nintendo Switch, hoping to have that around for Christmas Day. You know, with all the cousins and kids around, we'll be able to play something. Although, I'm not really sure what game to pick for the nintendo switch for all of us to play like well, let's see here Wii. you could pick yeah. the let's see here from that would be let's see oh that's uh oh yeah you have about five choices oh, five choices <laughs> yeah five choices right. uh you have uh link link's awakening uh you have um mario odyssey uh mm-hmm. you have uh uh you have uh uh, golf story uh you have <laughs> oh boy you have uh uh what what else did they make for the switch uh jeez because i'm looking um, specifically for like a like a kind of party-ish game you know like the wii you got wii sports that came with it you know it's a sort of casual game that just everybody can gather around and play together yeah um, it comes with its uh the the dumb like the dumb little games that you can play, which are just like the, the, uh, the feature testing games, where it's like, oh, look yeah. at you can take the controller and turn it slightly this way, and yeah. it will count yeah. it as a degrees. Mm. Or, or if you can hold it like this and you pull down, it's like you're milking a cow. Or yeah, if you jiggle it, mm. you try to count the ice cubes in it. How many ice cubes are in it? I have actually played that game you're talking about, actually. A friend's got it. It's called 1-2-Switch. But you see, the bad thing is here is that doesn't even come with the console. At least in the UK, it doesn't. No, um, I think it's 40 bucks. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, I've played it, and like it's fun for like a few minutes. And the, the most fun you get from it is just, you know, oh, I feel like an idiot playing it. And that's the kind of fun, is you're all laughing at each other and being stupid. But, like... I don't know if it's. I don't think it's worth forty bucks at the end of the day. That's that's what it kind of comes down to. Whilst well, like something like Nintendo Land on the Wii U, that was genuinely kind of a good time. Or something like a WarioWare game, it's missing kind of one of those party games. I'm thinking of investing in something like Bomberman, but I don't think that's just something you can get even more casual people into. It's something like Bomberman, uh, even though I do personally find that game kind of fun. So. Uh, gonna get a Switch, but I'm not really sure what I'll get for it just yet. I, I will get Odyssey for myself, by the way, because I, I do I do want to play the new Mario game. Um, I oh, you could get uh, uh, Mario Wabbits. 
or rabbits or whatever. Oh, yeah, actually, you know what? That game looks kind of good. Maybe that would be a good party game. That's a good show. I think I'll do that, actually. I don't know if it's a good... there are a bunch of good games. Though. Oh, yeah, there is multiplayer, and I forgot about that. But um, yeah. I don't think that's a great party game, uh, per se, no. because it is turn-based. Is it? So yes. it's kind of like... Okay. If you ever play XCOM... I'll... I've never played XCOM before, no. So in XCOM, it's kind of like grid-based uh, system where you're moving around turn by turn, um, and you kind of like tactically position your uh, units to take out the enemy. That's what that huh. game is. It's surprisingly, the way you're describing it, it's a lot more strategic than I would have thought a Mario and a Rabbids game would have been. Um, oh yeah, it's it's very strange. Like when people first saw it, it was like, oh, this looks like shit. And then they saw the game and was like, holy shit, this looks fun. <laughs> and it is fun. Uh, and it's pretty good. And the story is oddly interesting and funny. And really? <laughs> yeah. So like yeah, right. you, yeah, I would recommend it for like a single player thing, but I wouldn't say recommend it for multiplayer. Huh. Okay. Well, I'll have to do more market research. <laughs> yeah. Find find that perfect game that works for everybody, but might not be the case. Which is a sad thing because usually Nintendo provides that with like just the console on its own. But you know, ah, times are changing. Anyway, so there's there's the shopping side of things. Uh, we've both been playing some Fire Emblem, I believe. You know, you've got. Uh, we just talked about it. You got. Ira, the new, one of the yep. newest characters. Yeah, Swordsman, who's supposed to be one of the best swordsmen out there, or swordswomen yes, out mm-hmm. there, and uh, yeah, it's it's great now, but she's still level one. I really don't use, like, <laughs> any of the golden characters I get. My team, currently, the one I use the most comprised is of two silvers and two golds, the two golds being mm-hmm. Brave Lynn and mm-hmm. the red-headed... Uh, Wyvern axe wielder. Uh, wait. Minerva? Minerva. Um, mm-hmm. and the two silvers are the lolly dragon girl and the <laughs> uh, samurai swordsman from Awakening. The, the, the sad thing I gotta say though is like, there's three lolly dragon girls, so <laughs> is it the uh, <laughs> the lolly dragon it- girl from Awakening? Oh, Nowie. Nowie, yes, Nowie. Yeah, I believe, right. So we got, mm-hmm. I got Nowie. I've got, mm. uh, I got, uh, what is his name? Long Q. That was his name. Long Q. Uh, yes, yes. I have yeah. Brave Lynn, and I, of course, have Minerva. Right. Did you know, I, I guess you probably already noticed this, but you know Church, the Wyvern Rider girl from uh, Awakening? Uh-huh. She named her Wyvern Minerva. I did not notice that. It. You did notice that? I did not. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. She's she's always talking about her Wyvern and all of her like support dialogue. And like you know when she levels up, she's always talking to her, her Wyvern. And her she's named her dragon after Minerva, who's from the original Fire Emblem game. So that's the relation between the two. <laughs> kind of, you know, it's like they've got the same name, except she's now the dragon. So there's that. Have you thought about leveling up any of the any of those four stars then into like your into golds then? Definitely. Bad um, mm-hmm. Because there are two that I want. I have Tharja, who was a silver, who I leveled up to gold. Um, mm-hmm. Same for uh, Kageru or Kagero. Oh yeah, she she's really good. she was silver, mm-hmm. and I raised her up to gold. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I do have Kine. I have Olivia, the performing arts Olivia. I have the Halloween event Henry, the Halloween event Sakura. I mm-hmm. have the Golden Merrick, a Golden, you know, the recent princess. Um, uh, yes. A Golden Jenny and a Golden Arya. Or ah, Ira. I see. So I okay. guess I could replace the two. I could replace Naoi and I could replace my long queue with uh, Congero and Tharja. Yeah, the first one in that group, if I was just to place for strategy, the first one I would replace out of that four would be Long Q, I think. Yeah, he's not great. Um, yeah, I would I would probably scrap him and even perhaps consider I think he has a really good skill that like is kinda rare for other characters, so like maybe transfer his skill onto one of your really good units. <laughs> and then if he Was does have glimmer? a useful skill, I can hmm? Glimmer or Killing Edge or something like that? Glimmer? Mm, I, think. It, I think it's one of his passives. I, I think it's one of his A, B, or C skills. It's like a really good one, though. Uh, exactly Vantage 3? Unit counter ah, Vantage, yes, first. yes, Vantage. Vantage 3 is really good. So if so you how transfer I, that one on. How would I go about mm. that? Is that that thing where it's like... Um... Inherit skill. You go to Advanced Growth and then Inherit skill. So ah. you... Mm-hmm. So the thing is, you basically sacrifice, even if you have a bronze unit or a silver unit, they're not necessarily useless, especially if you have doubles, because they sometimes get, uh, some units have to wait to their gold to get a specific skill, but some of them get them at silver. So what you do if a character like Long Q is you basically pass it on to somebody else who would really benefit from it and has great potential. But the only thing you've got to know is that it does sacrifice the unit that you are giving the skills from. And um, also, the character that's learning the skills that you're transferring from, they will have to pay double the amount of SP to actually learn it. So, mm-hmm. as long... Oh, you also don't have to have... Long Q doesn't have to have Vantage to transfer it to somebody as well. Um, as long as they have the potential to learn it within their star, um, you can transfer any free skills. So that would probably, in this case, be Vantage 1, 2, and 3. Because it's, a, like I said, it's a very useful skill to have, especially for a character that... You want to be able to like have, be more defensive, um, so definitely look into that. There's there's a lot of uh, bronze characters. Oh, especially look out for characters that have the skill pivot or reposition as well. Like just like it's one of those skills that you use where you can basically move up to a character and then switch positions and stuff with them. Mm-hmm. Because y- you'll be surprised just how useful it is, especially in combination with a dancer. Like you can cover such a large area of the field, or like attack with a mage and then like hide it behind a knight or something like that, and then your opponent will not be able to attack your Lin. In fact, one of the the key strategies you get is like a Lin with the bow and arrow attacks, and then you get a unit with a horse behind her, usually like Reinhardt, and then she attacks with the arrow. Then Reinhardt repositions her behind him. And then she then will attack again the next turn. And because Lynn's not the most defensive character, but she hits like a truck. So you can just keep on like attacking, hide, attacking, hide. And that's kind of like a, a thing to look out for. So look out for skills like those as well. They're pretty useful. Oh, and there's just some characters in general that won't have any special moves as well. That you can now just give them something like um, Ether or Luna or Moonblow. Sky's the limit. <laughs> so experiment. And you'll be able to make units that are ridiculously strong actually there's a, there's some really cheap strategies you could actually go with if you have the right combination of skills passed on interesting well i have done just so. that i have uh because i had two open slots i gave uh tharja long q's ability mm-hmm. to attack first in counter-attacking and mm-hmm. i gave uh Kogero's, um the uh 
uh, ability, which was uh, on Naui, her C skill, which was uh, mm-hmm. res negative five on all uh-huh. enemies within range after attacking or something like that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's a bit, that's a pretty decent one. Yeah, because mm-hmm. she's she's kind of a character that is um, a status inflictor, especially yeah. guess, after you told me about her poison dagger thing. Yeah, so I think I'll go with that for her. So there you go. Now my team is comprised of four golds. Yeah, that's a good. There you go. So it's already starting to look pretty good. Kagero is really strong as well, so you probably won't be disappointed with that. Uh, on on my end, in terms of this, uh, I only got one new gold character this week. I did finally get one of the flagship characters. I got me a Lucina though. Ah, oh, um, nice. Yeah, got me. Got me. Lucina, she's not the um, not the masked Lucina that's still called Marf. Uh, oh, not darn. the <laughs> not the wed is it wedding Lucina? Not the bridal Lucina, and also not the Easter Bunny Lucina. Just the regular one. But, you know, I think the Easter classic. Bunny Lucina is probably the best. I like that. <laughs> she's uh, the mo- they make fun of her the most in the memes because like you know all the other ones are all worried about like saving the world and like oh you know i've got to i've got to help protect my father and i won't let anyone die and this one's just like i'll give you an egg let's find eggs like she all she does is interested in finding easter eggs it's like really weird how uh how, how much her character changes during easter time got to say but uh, now she's yeah. actually quite a good character surprisingly actually um most of the holiday event characters are pretty good in general but you know she's quite high tier not as high tier as like I think wedding. I think the best one is wedding Cecilia. Wedding Cecilia. The she was like a Pegasus knight that likes Crom. Uh, uh, yes, I think that's she, Cecilia. Oh, she doesn't talk about Crom. Yeah, yeah. She well, there's like a wedding version of her of a bow and arrow that's really really good. That's like the best event character in the game, to my knowledge. Which is um, it's sad because she can't actually romance Crom. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned that. That is weird, actually. I thought there really wasn't a a limit to any of the gold characters. That's really weird. So she's she's forever unrequited in the in the game. But you know, Cordelia. The protagonist can. Oh, so Cordelia. That's the one. Not Cecilia. Yeah. Cordelia, so yeah, she one. can't yeah. actually romance Chrome. Uh, oh well, I guess there's there's plenty of fish in the sea, especially in regards to um, Robin, I suppose, because you know you're playing as Robin in the game. Unless you played as a fe- unless you played a female Robin, in which case I guess she's not gonna get. That. Well, the thing that sucks the most is that anytime you romance her with like another character, except for mm-hmm. a couple of them, she'll always talk about Chrome. It's like the thing really? she'll like, oh, Chrome, 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 this, Chrome, that, and it's like, I see the like the obvious pairing should have been her and Chrome, but mm. you know what they do is they like the pairing, the default pairing they go with is Chrome and. Uh, Samia. Samia. Which is yeah. like, I get it, but at the same time, Cadelia is so over heads over heels for Chrome that it's like, give her a shot, man. Just give her a shot. Yeah. She deserves at least uh, to be a contender at the very least, you know. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and as, as far as the contenders are concerned, uh, you know, they've got the voting gauntlet on for the most popular characters. Uh, the first one I supported, Lost. I actually supported Raja at the start. Is it Raja? Raj? Whatever. Um, mm-hmm. The one that looks like Tharja. I supported her at the start, but she's been knocked out. So now I'm backing Tharja. Um, ah, so guessing... am I. Yes, okay. I've been backing it's... her since the beginning, and it's ah. been like, win, you win, you win. And now she, currently mm-hmm. it's in the final vote. Against Sigurd, yes. Yes, uh, it'll be a, a tough battle. Character. Yes. Uh, 
So, but I think I think I had I think I've got a pretty healthy bet here, seeing as I know Tharja in particular is just a very popular, not just in oh her yeah, game, she's definitely it's <laughs> like oh my gosh, stalker waifu material wears mm. really revealing clothing, has the best chest of all the group. You know, it's like. <laughs> Yes, so she's very popular in general amongst the the fan base and stuff. So I think it's a very safe bet to go to back her in this. Um, I wish you know if you, she wins that you get a free copy like of her character as well. But yeah, you don't. But that's yeah. just one thing. Hopefully, maybe maybe they'll get a brave version eventually or something for the next set of brave characters if they ever do it again. Um, maybe. Hmm? Maybe. 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 Yep. Um, they'll pro- it'll be probably comprised of the, the most recent winners of the Voting Gauntlet. And also, just to run things off, just want to quickly touch on uh, comments. I've also been engaging with some stuff with the Anime Pulse. There's no forum topic for the last week, but I will make one this week. It's just because I've been kind of still recovering from my illness. I only kind of got better on Thursday, um, dropping in and out of a fever. But during which, uh, I was responding to comments from Midnight Crew, as always. He tends to post on our... Um, episodes he kind of i'm happy to see he liked the feedback in return uh, in regards to the anime hoseki no kuni uh, about the effects but he did recommend i watch it and even more so was quite enthusiastic about perhaps reviewing it in the future so i've went and watched started watching that during this week and um it started revealing its twists to the story it's it's quite interesting actually i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of intrigued now i would say pleasantly intrigued the story is a bit more has a bit more stuff going for it now because it's revealed stuff. Uh, but he also pointed out that he be he liked the discussion that me and you had between the anime and manga of Masamune Kun's Revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that it would be kind of great to see more discussions about the show on the show overall, um, and it could be a nice way for us to mix things up when neither of us are feel like making reviews. Uh, to which I did respond with, um, we do plan on doing collaborative reviews in the future. Um, so that almost will kind of be, maybe that'll be up his alley in terms of like more discussion-based kind of topics of anime in the future. Um, there's a few in the works, so he was quite in- excited about that. And then we just talked a little bit about Osama Game, which by the way, I'm still watching that every week, the anime Osama Game. I- I'm trying to think of a way to get you to watch that at some point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, I-, I don't know what to say. It's just, it is maybe... It's it, oh, you just gotta see it to believe it. Like the way it does the story, the way it does its fan service, the way it does its its everything. The girls are in particular all exist just to fall in love with the main guy. It's it's really magical, but it's really transparent too. You will believe that this company, I suppose, that makes it are famous for hentai. So, you know, what what do you expect in a way? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that runs up. Sorry, didn't mean to hog it for this much time. I think I went on for quite a bit. So I know, move on it's to quite alright. Oh, yeah? Okay. Alright. Well, uh, for my bit of IRL news, let's see here. I've been doing a lot of overtime at work lately, this past week. I uh, have been staying later just because I honestly just feel like when I'm working there, it's the more I'm working, the less money I'm spending elsewhere. And I'm not, you know, I'm not losing out on anything really because I'm just staying later. I'm not getting there earlier. Uh, not mm. that that will ever happen because I don't think I could ever show up earlier than I currently do. 
That would just be too much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, staying later isn't difficult, um, especially since my I usually end up leaving with my bosses because they'll be like, "All right, it's like you know, fifty minutes after work is supposed to end, so everybody pack up your things if you're still here. Let's go." So mm-hmm. it, it's not bad. It's good. Yeah, uh, I've probably gotten in like maybe. Th- two and a half maybe two hours of overtime this week mm-hmm. uh which is uh i usually i get paid like 13 dollars on the hour but mm-hmm. for overtime you get paid 19 dollars and 50 cents on the hour that's pretty good wow yeah so mm-hmm. it's not not bad um mm-hmm. i'll definitely need some more overtime because I got to get those presents and get the oil and stuff like that for my car. And there's a lot of things I have to buy in the coming weeks. Um, <laughs> aside from working, I haven't seen any movies still. I haven't really done anything different on my computer. Um, you know, it, it's a great computer. I love this new one. It's so fantastic. I'm so happy to be in the future in 2014, at least. Um, with video games in mind, as we just went over Fire Emblem, I've been playing that. I uh, dropped Awakening, which I was playing at work, and I picked yeah. up uh, I picked up Fire Emblem uh, Revelations again Ooh. because I wanted to. Well, first my thought was like oh, I want to romance. Uh, uh, a Kongero with my protagonist character because she's a pretty great character. And then I was like, oh crap, she's not in Awakening. She's in, or she's in, uh, you know, she's a ninja character in Conquest and, uh, or not Conquest, in the Birthright. Birthright and in Revelations. Yeah. So I was like, fine, I'll have to go play that again. But the main thing that made me give up on Awakening was the fact that. I was playing the game and just kept playing it and playing it and playing it and didn't notice, oh shit, I forgot to um, stop moving through the levels before a certain area. And if you do that, your Chrome character is forced into a relationship with Sumeri. Oh! Yes. Really? Huh. Yeah. Because after that, like shortly after that, their daughter shows up and it's like, Oh, who's the mother? It would make so no sense if that was the case. It's like, he's not married. What are you talking about? Ah, right. Okay. That's interesting. You know, it's kind of funny because, um, when I was doing my playthrough anyway, um, I already matched those two up anyway. I've only played the game once. So I yeah. did actually match Samia with Krom. So I didn't know that they forced that on you. Yeah. They'll force it on you. If you don't be careful, that's why you only get one episode to really like, grind Olivia and Chrome together if you want to get them shackled. Uh, I see. Do any girls appear after that, though, that you kind of will never be able to match Chrome with then? No, because that's that. it. Like, if you look at all his uh, his support dialogue, uh, yeah. that's it for girls. All oh, the girls okay. who show up that he can romance show up before, um, before he can... Uh, be forced into the marriage with uh, uh, Sumeria. Oh, right. Well, I never knew that. That's good to know. Yep. Um, 
see here. And I take it you, uh, did, I take oh. it you didn't want that. Who were you going to match him? Just like Kiyosu, who were you going to match him with then? I wasn't sure. I think I was going to go with Olivia because I haven't had those two romance together yet and it is kind of difficult to get her to romance him because of just the grinding you have to do right before that extra episode that comes out so i was gonna do that but it didn't happen right so i was i was gonna do that um it snowed on Saturday, and I now all of a sudden remember why I don't like New York State, because holy shit, it was impossible to get around last night, uh, because I was trying to go and work out, and leaving from my house after it had been snowing for a little bit, and going up to the gym, it was like 20 miles an hour, and it was oh. just slipping and sliding everywhere and is it was not fun mostly because the salt trucks hadn't been out yet um the plows weren't out there on the road and even getting the subway which was maybe less than two miles away from where i work out was a pain in the butt because of how much slipping and sliding there were like maybe six or seven accidents that night that i saw other people involved in um, uh, a really big one too that uh, I actually saw before it starts snowing so I thought that was amusing um, but I'm glad that it's not going to come back for a while because it's supposed to snow again on Tuesday but we already have snowplow trucks out they've already started salting the roads so hopefully it's not going to be terrible on Tuesday and right now the roads are pretty much clear because the sun melted away any snow that was on the roads on today. So, ah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it'll it be nice for me things. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, it's fun to have it run for a bit, but, like, it, it, you know, as I've gotten older, uh, you first are like, oh, yeah, it's snow, but then it kind of overstays its welcome before you know it nowadays, at least in my opinion. Like, it's not even overstaying it's welcome anymore. For me, it's just a matter of, I hate snow because it means that I'm I have to go slower in my car. It means that I can't make the turns I used to make in my car. It means that all these things I used to do in my car I can't do anymore. I have to take it all slow. It also means I have to spend more money to get the snow tires put on and take extra care because I have to put more gas in my car because the engine's going to be running more because the battery has to keep warm. And so to keep warm, the engine actually has to run. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds like a big hassle, actually. We don't actually usually have to put on snow, snow tires all the way over here, actually. So. And actually, yeah, I'm and guessing uh, White Christmas is quite common where you are? Not entirely. Like, the last few years, a White Christmas hasn't happened. Okay. Like, we've had we, we cold, but not snow. Mm. Usually, okay. it actually starts snowing the most in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's usually afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yep, so that wasn't fun. I didn't really enjoy that. I am back home now. I actually had trouble getting back into the garage on uh, the last night. I was bad when I finally got back home. Getting up my own driveway seemed impossible. I really need to get the snow tires on, but I can't put them on until the last week of December because that's my appointment. So I have to hold out till then. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see. Other than that, I don't think there's anything worth mentioning other than Shokugeki no Soma. So 
Uh, the manga has finally moved on from Megumi's battle, and it moved on to Soma's battle. And as I predicted, Soma won. Quite handedly, in fact. And there was actually a good reason for that, which, um, as they reveal in the manga, that Soma had been using the uh, the one chef who can imitate all the other chefs. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. He yeah, used yeah. him to practice to learn how to deal with the samurai chef on the Elite Ten. Uh huh. All right. Okay. I think I know which guy you're talking about. All right. Yeah. He kind of had a uh, unlimited blade works attack uh, that they used as a visualization, where he was able to use all the different traits from all the different chefs that he has encountered to attack the samurai chef and just beat him to a pulp, and he won mm-hmm. three to zero. Right. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, Clean so sweet. the... Uh, <clears throat> I see. So that moves forward. Yeah. Oh, actually, one thing. On the subject of Shokugeki, actually. You're still kept up with uh, the anime, right? Yeah, I mean, the anime hasn't gone anywhere since the last season, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just talking because I, I only kind of watched the anime. I've got the first volume of the manga, but like... I'm not going to spoil wins or loses on this one, but at least, but the the anime, um, oh, the last well, episode well. had that guy who cooked salmon um, against Ryo. They had yeah. the, the fish guy Ryo versus this guy who does like, you know, crazy hair and they had to cook like a salmon dish. Um, I'm not crazy, right? It's not that special to use olive oil on salmon, right? No, it's the... Uh the way he went about doing it so like it's yeah <laughs> um in that the cooker he had uh-huh. um like yeah, the oven thing people the just didn't see it thing. so mm-hmm. it was kind of if... like oh like you can use also different types of oil olive oil yeah, is just yeah. a little bit different it's just you know i'm used to with shokugeki no soma where it's just like you know oh the dish is one way but then what's this you put the sauce on top and it transforms and it's like an incredible thing where it's like oh i've i've congealed this or like mixed this thing overnight and i've like balled this for ages and stuff right but with his it's like he opens the oven and out is like a tray of olive oil and i'm just like oh my god that's like not the most special thing actually ever right (laughs) even i cook salmon and olive oil apparently i'm a master chef now because <laughs> i did the same thing it's it was just kind of like a what like really olive oil is your your trump card well i think um, the best dishes are the ones that you can produce the simplest you don't yeah, need to do a lot mm-hmm. of fancy footwork to make a really good meal mm-hmm. you just need to make yeah. a really good meal yeah but they just they really had to oversell the idea like this guy is the master of heat. He is the master of controlling the heat and the temperature. He is the master of low heat. Right, low heat. (laughs) Yes, low heat. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just wanted to add that in because I just thought, whoa, that was kind of... I think he's kind of lame, but, you know, I think that's probably... The well, that whole the that whole extra group that shows up is kind of lame. Like, yeah. the the two girls in the group are kind of you know attractive in the sense that the one girl's like a uh, like a kick 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 kick, you know, kind the of purple, uh, the pink haired one. Yeah, like the one who's yeah. always like teasing and kind of has a look about her that's just like I'm looking down on you always. That's like I'm yeah. okay, I'm into that. And the other girl who like just has her entire face covered up with her blonde hair, it's also I'm oh, yeah. into that. So it's like, oh, let's take you oh. and you and put you together, and then I'm really into that. Wait, so you got, <laughs> so wait, no, you got the purple-haired one. She looks down on you, but like, what, what's it? What's the appeal of the girl with the, you know, I get that, but what's the appeal of the girl with the blonde hair covering her face? What's 
she has a mysterious like silent look and act about her she doesn't say anything she doesn't really react she has like a very um with like all the hair she has she kind of has like that uh um i know it's like the blonde curly hair too and it's like it's uh you know hanging all the way down her her face and covering her eyes but like Mm -hmm. when i can't like I can't really describe it when I can't see the girl's eyes, like when it's covering her, uh, her face. I think it's something ever since I was a kid, like when girls would have really long hair that would cover their eyes and their eyes were hiding behind their hair. It was kind of mysterious to me and mysterious is attractive to me. Mm. It, are you a fan of it more when it covers both or are you also like it when it just covers one eye? I like when it covers both, like when you can't both. see it at all. Right. Okay. Hmm. So I'm guessing, like your, uh, you know, if you ever if you ever read or watched uh, Negima, you're kind of into Nodoka, right? The library girl, because like her hair covers her eyes. Kind of, not really though, because the thing about her is, while her hair does cover, she doesn't have long hair. Right. Has okay. So the combination is long hair covers eyes. That's kind of yes. the ideal. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, she had short hair, and her personality was very like, you know, very wimpy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't really care for wimpy personalities. Like the at least with a blonde girl, it doesn't look like she's wimpy. She hasn't said anything, and she mm-hmm. does show that she is a competent chef when she beats some of the other, um, some of the other team leads out there. Oh, okay. Like you know right. some of the background character team leads that we don't know about or care about. So okay. it's like okay, and I definitely would be interested to see more of her. Okay. Well, I look forward to seeing their chef specialties when they do eventually get around to them, probably this season. So, Yeah, I think they're actually going to leave off on when Soma reveals that his fa- who his father is and Nakiri ah. finally learns as like mm-hmm. the last episode, which kind of sucks. I was like, I want to see more of her reaction afterwards because that's like the best part. But I guess, oh, well, you know, I'll have to roll with the punches. They want to make another season. Yeah, and you know what? At the end of the day, because I watched One Piece, I gotta say, good anime takes time. I'm actually really glad at the end of the day that they're they're taking the time with the Shonen Jump, uh, Shokugeki no Somo, Soma, uh, in contrast to what they do with their other like more action based uh, Shonen shows, where it's like, oh, we gotta make it every week, and then the quality is just not the same as something like Soma, you know. So I'd rather wait and just get this really definitive, well animated, like it deserves to exist outside of the manga version, where sometimes well, I don't I... think that's the case. With this, I think they did pretty well when they did the longer first season of uh, what? Sorry, oh, twenty-four Shokugeki. episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying that it's better that they don't do the hundreds of episodes or like you know keep it going nonstop. But yeah, I would, I would rather have twenty-four episodes than twelve. Sure, yeah. Which I think for this season <clears throat> they're just going with twelve. Yeah, mm. I, I guess that's just kind of the more modern kind of business practice of anime these days. It's more safe. Where, you know, you see if the interest is still there, then you make more. It's kind of like you have to keep teasing. Um, I guess. And some people, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> IRL news, man. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. let's move on from that and get into our industry news. Which, you're up again. 
Okay, yeah, for some reason I just keep listening out for that, that, or something, I don't know what plays. Yeah, there, it's not here, buddy, it's in the editing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alright, uh, yeah, so the story I got today is like a story straight out from one of my Japanese animes. Uh, a feud over the succession of a Shinto shrine has left three dead by a sword, no less. Um... So the three dead include a chief priestess who was killed by her brother, who also had help from his wife, which in, as a result injured a driver, according to police, the priestess's driver. The brother then stabbed his wife before killing himself. So all in all, this is actually quite a gruesome scenario, uh, despite my light-hearted statement at the very beginning. Um, apparently, this is all over quite a long-standing feud over the succession of the shrine, uh, as previously mentioned. So, um, the attack began when the 58-year-old priestess got her car at the shrine and was confronted by her brother, uh, Shigenaga Tom Tom Tomioka, 56, and his wife, said to be in her 30s. So, the wife attacked the driver, stabbing him with the sword, and then the driver fled the scene and was pursued by the woman. Um, so, uh, apparently police said that there was blood left everywhere, um, but the driver's wounds were not life-threatening. The police, the priestess, however, suffered a deep stab wound in her chest, along with a laceration on the back of her neck, and was later pronounced dead. Um, the suspects then moved to another part of the shrine grounds. Um, a quote here is, We believe the male suspect then stabbed the woman before stabbing himself, said the police spokesperson. So, yeah, this is a Shinto, Shinto shrine, one of the famous ones in Tokyo, apparently. It's, um... The background behind the whole thing is that the Mr. Tomioka himself had been the chief priestess, priestess, chief priest of the shrine, having taken over from his father in the nineteen nineties. Um, but then he was then sacked in nineteen, uh, not nineteen, in two thousand and one, um, and their father returned to the position as the main priest, installing his daughter Naga Naga. I can't pronounce anything. Nagako Tomioka as the second ranked in the shrine. It is not clear why he was removed, though, uh, back at that time. So, during those years, the suspect is said to have sent life-threatening letters, though, to his sister, and was arrested in 2006 after sending her a note saying that he would send her to hell. Uh, after their father died... Uh, I keep getting things wrong. Retired in 2010, Miss Tomioka became the chief priestess, breaking with the Shinto sh uh, Shrine Umbrella Organization after it failed to rubber stamp the succession, according to Asahi Shimbun, which I guess is some sort of a news authority. So, yeah, that's probably what caused this entire um, feud to begin. It's been quite long-standing then, since the 1990s, and the Tomioka Haji Hachimangu Shrine dates back to 1627, so it's pretty old, and is fra uh, famous for the Fukugawa Hachiman Summer Festival in August. So, yes, according to its website, it is among those to start the tradition in Edo of holding sumo tournaments on its grounds to attract visitors and donations, a custom still common with many Shinto shrines. Uh, Japan, Japan's Emperor and Empress visited the shrine in 2012. That ends the article here. So, yeah. With a sword. That's a... Uh, I know you said before we started that it's more common to use like knives and stuff and edge yep. weapons and guns in Japan, but a sword seems like wow, that's pretty excessive when I think about it. Because like over here, you know, they're quite strict, uh, at least especially in Scotland, when it comes to like long edge weapons. Like I believe you can get arrested for carrying a sword, you know. 
all the way here. Like, and you have to have if you're caught with a knife, you have to be you have to give like valid reason for it. Otherwise, you actually can be you know taken in as well. So, it's just quite wow. A sword is kind of overkill when I when I think about it. Um, there's no reason really why you'd be carrying one around. Um, gosh. But yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, just yep. That's uh, it. <laughs> pretty much. All right. Yeah. It. Uh, as I, I mentioned that it's the. Uh, it's all about the thing. The f- fact that uh, guns over there are the the big crime uh, thing where it's like yeah you don't want to have a gun uh-huh, because uh-huh. Uh, if you have a gun you could usually and you commit a crime with a gun you usually end up facing like the death penalty. Uh-huh. Unlike if you have a sword, you could stab a bunch of people and not have and necessarily be put to death. You might just go to jail for a very long time. So here's so here's the thing then. So if you didn't even like shoot the gun, but you used the gun to commit a crime such as like threatening to rob a, a store, that's like instant death penalty. But if you actually definitely killed somebody, first degree murder with the sword, you might get a lesser punishment. Is that my understanding that? Uh, I don't really know the laws. Ichiko could tell you more about that because, well, he lived in Japan for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it just seems pretty pretty crazy to me because you know at the end of the day, murder is murder. So it's like, huh? And also, in a in a way, I feel like a gun probably would be less painful in the end than being like butchered by a sword. Um, <laughs> but uh, don't know. Yep. Well, I guess that brings it to my piece of news here. I got a poll. Yep, something more lighthearted. Uh, here we go. Yeah, so uh, anime news website, anime, anime, said because that's exclamation points after each one, asked <laughs> its readers to decide which anime character would make the best wife. For once and for all, this is a poll uh, held on December the 3rd in honor of Weiss Day. So this was basically a waifu for laifu poll. The candidates were selected from the top 25 choices previously nominated via Twitter. A total of 879 people responded, which is actually kind of low, uh, to the poll. 67% male, 23% female. Uh, And this is how we go. So starting way down at the bottom, we have a tie between number 10 and number 11. With uh, number 11 technically being Miho... Uh, Nishizumi from Girls und Panzer, and number 10 being uh, Vigenet uh, Sikunose from Gabriel Dropout. Ha! Huh. Okay. At number 9, we have Sakura uh, Kinomoto from Card Capture Sakura. At number 8, uh, we have Miho Azuki from Bakuman. At number 7, we have Chisei Hattori from The Ancient Magnus Bride. Or Magnus' Bride. Um, Number six is Tsubasa Hanakawa from the Monogatari series. Uh Uh-huh. Popular choice. At number five, we have Akiri Kawamoto from March Comes In Like a Lion. Or Uh Three Gatsu No Lion. Um, Uh Number four is Sakura Mato from Fate Stay Night. Uh Number three is Megumi Kato. From Saikano, How to Raise a Boring Girlfriend. Right. Number two is Rem 
from ReZero. Ah, of course. Actually, you should have seen that one coming. Yep. Nobody likes Ryan. And number one is Asuna from Sword Art Online. Oh! Actually, I called that one actually before we yeah. even started. I, I didn't pretty realize she'd rank did. that high, but wow. Yeah, yeah. so she uh, has maintained her first place among Queen. the top polls for couples and would-be parents as the female-to-be best waifu for laifu. Mm. I feel like some of these were definitely chosen for like the pragmatic reasons where it's like, you know, Vignette or Sukunose from uh, Gabriel Dropout, like, I think they're not just thinking about, oh, you know, oh, it's a fun character to be around sort of thing, but like she's a very kind of nurturing type of character, so... You know, they're thinking about it in a practical terms of, like, personality. Well, some of these, it's like, mm, they could actually have some domestic issues with you, but, you know, you're you're okay with it because they're hot, basically. Some of these ones. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, I guess, since we're on the subject, what do you think about any of these choices, though? And what about your, what would be your pick, since we're on the subject? Well, if I were to actually have a waifu for life who, like, just off the top of my head, a character I would pick... Uh-huh. I'd actually probably pick um, uh-huh. uh, Becky, uh, Becky-san from... Becky-san. Becky. It's from that cooking or that like, anime that's like cooking, but No Rin, from No Rin. No Rin. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, oh, she's the teacher yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, Natsume also, Becky. Okay. Also known mm-hmm. just as Becky. She's the okay. blonde-haired homeroom teacher of the class. And she's like always... Um, uh, she's always uh, being very perverse. Yeah. I gotta yeah. say, kind of surprised she's not a yandere. No, but it's because she's a mature character... Who she's forty years old, but she doesn't yeah. look it at all, which yeah. I think means good things for the future. I think she can maintain a pretty well-to-do look about her for quite some time to come. Yeah. Mystery of Japan: women over there don't age as fast. Yeah. Good on you, Japan. Um, <laughs> but she also, I feel like, would actually be a pretty good parent if her. Uh, Perverse side was taken care of by her husband. Mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, I felt like if she actually gets what she wants, where it's like, I also go for her because there is no other character, uh, you know, longing for her. There's no guy that actually has claimed her in the anime or like she has picked a guy and been like, this is the guy I'm going for. No. Right. It is. She is completely free of all those attachments, and there are some other characters out there. But any Yandere character is Yandere for another character, not for me. Mm. So I yeah. don't really get behind like trying to jut in between like a Yandere character and her choice. Mm-hmm. There, if there comes a time where a Yandere character eventually comes for me, then that Yandere character will shoot for me and just for me. Which will be great. Right. But actually, you know. It has mm, to happen first. That's actually kind of, that's a good thing in a way. Because like with the Andre ones, you've seen what they're, how they're like when they're in love. Because you see them, you know, put their attention towards one person. 
But with her, there's kind of that mystery there, because like you said, you don't know cause there is no guy for her. You don't know what she's like when she finds her guy. Um, so it's quite possible in the best case scenario that maybe she will have a bit more of those tendencies when she has found that special someone, or maybe she just mellows out. Becky from the win, I mean. It kind of. Um mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch the anime, you'd probably see why she appeals to me. She also okay. is... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I, sorry, what was? No, no, yeah. That, I, I didn't really have anything more else to say. Oh, okay, okay. Right. Okay, right. Fair enough. Right. Interesting. Good to know. Yeah. Well, I believe that brings us to our reviews. This will be a, yeah. a longer show. So uh, mm-hmm. let's kick things off with... Your review. Okay, thank you. I guess I'll get right into it. Good intro there. Today we'll be following up a preview I did two seasons back on someone called Kakiguri. Kakiguri, or Compulsive Gambler, is a show that I placed a decent amount of stock in a while back for being a simple and indulgent show about gambling, of course. Uh, So now, 12 episodes down the line, I'm here to report on the returns. Is it profitable? Is it a profitable investment, or will it leave you in the red? I'll start with the premise. Kakiguri takes place in Hyako Private Academy, an institution with a bizarre set of traditions. The students who attend hail from some of the richest and thus most powerful people in the world, slash Japan. And while during the day the school performs like any other, after hours the place becomes a den for all sorts of gambling mischief. Under the thin veil that it is to prepare the students for life after school where they will have to deal with money and manipulate others. Really, it's just an iteration of a type of story I'll call Rich People Are Crazy. See, if you're a writer uh, and you want to create a set of scenarios that are kind of fucking stupid, especially if you have an asterisk attached to your brief that says, has to take place in high school, the solution is to just make everyone rich. Part of the logic behind this is that mentally we can more easily empathise with things that we can relate to, and the human mind is pretty good at sorting things into boxes for efficiency. With fiction, rich, or in this case outrageously rich and powerful, is so far removed from everyday from the everyday person's experience that they might as well come across as some sort of fantasy creature. Thus, you can have a school-sanctioned gambling system and pretend it makes sense along with kidnapping, murder, and all sorts of questionable stuff because everyone is rich and therefore they've got more time on their hands and it's a different world. Uh, wondering if... Now that I mentioned this, people will start to notice this sort of things in stories where the main cast is all rich people uh, and not just that one rich side character. But now that I think about it, rich, even for a side character, is enough of a quirk that you can have them acting strange or doing illogical stuff uh, for much of the same reasons. Could this be an extension of Japan's larger emphasis on segregation via class? And this is a taster of what happens if I don't proofread my reviews and cut out all the pseudo-intellectual bullshit. So yeah, uh, you win gambles, you win money, which equals power, or become in debt and be treated as subhuman by your peers. Our main character of the story is Jabami Yumiko, who, like I mentioned in the preview, reminds me of Yukiko from Persona 4 in appearance and sometimes even demeanour. She finds herself quite taken with the school's unique system and resolves to pursue the various extreme high-stakes games, eventually leading to matches against the most powerful members of the school, the student council led by El Presidente, Pepsi Nix. So, 
What you get out of your 288 minute investment is 8 different games, quite a few of them involving cards by the way looking back, like a modified version of poker, a points game involving tarot cards, a card version of rock paper scissors, and at least 2 more games of that nature. There are some other strange ones like a game with miniature swords, as well as who is the better idol? But I suppose the main draw to the show is going for how much they can increase the tension through the interactions and the stakes. The interactions do better than the stakes in my opinion, but my reasoning for that will become apparent, maybe, hopefully. Getting this right out of the way, uh, this show on its own, uh, Volition markets, markets itself around the theme of gambling. However, it is more of a show that features gambling more than it, more than it is about gambling. What I mean is that the show relishes in its extreme scenarios and the effect that it has on the characters participating in the gamble, but these emotions are no different to the sorts of backs against the wall situations that a survival game will have that doesn't necessarily have gambling involved. And this is because of quite a few factors, uh, the first of which is stakes. Yes, the characters in the show are gambling with apparently a lot on the line, huge sums of cash, uh, their lives after graduation, to their lives in a more literal sense. But Kakaguri fails to follow through on these consequences, or at least presenting them to us uh, at almost every opportunity. Adding to this is the almost godlike status the show affords its MC, Yumiko. Uh, watching her play is almost like watching a duel in Yu-Gi-Oh! and wondering, I wonder if the protagonist might actually lose. I mean, he does have only one life point left. What? He drew that one card that can immediately win the game for him? Who knew? It's not just that she is an unstoppable genius player despite her reckless attitude, but also that the show also shows that even when faced with the prospect of losing, she never seems to feel threatened by it. And this ties into her character trait about caring about nothing but the risk, but it also makes me care less since, well, she hardly ever seems to mind if she loses anyway. Now, the second factor I'm going to mention besides the stakes is also that while some of the games leave themselves open to many turnabouts and twists, and some are well conceived, they could be better executed with better emphasis on strategy. Now, some may say a show like Kaiji goes a bit overboard with how much it overthinks its every play and what goes in on goes on in the players' minds, but it's not just there to fill up time, although it's probably one of the reasons it's there. What it also does is grow tension through streaming information constantly to the viewer. The offer should be working to provide you with potential outcomes and strategies that the characters come up with when facing problems. Not only is this exciting because you yourself while watching will deduce what's going to happen, but also how you would play the odds yourself if you were in their shoes. Again, Kakaguri kind of lacks this because the games don't have enough time and twists woven into them going more for a villain of the week sort of structure. And also because again, Yumiko is a god and so we don't need to think of a strategy or ponder. Despite the show saying which play is a gamble, uh, saying which play is a gamble, oftentimes she has already won before the game has even started because she is omnipotent omnipotent, sorry, I can't even read, and when that fails, her luck just doesn't. Why this is at odds with with it being a gambling show is that this factor comes down to the anime feeling formulaic at times, and you don't want that. A good gamble can break up the monotony of an otherwise mediocre game. Uh, poker is a good example of that. Uh, the games themselves are okay. I don't mind that so many of them involve cards, though I think with a little more care, into each of them, they could have been a lot more memorable. Uh, all these points I've mentioned don't, don't result in the show having no tension at all, 
but it certainly doesn't have the intensity to the degree it seems to think it has, and especially not the specific kind of excitement a true gambling show needs to have. So yeah, this is just worth pointing out since the show purports to be a gambling show, but it's less kaiji and more something like Death Parade, much more interested in being psychological, which is just a component of a gambling show. So what you're left with is a show that isn't really a thinking person's show. You tune in to watch it just to see the crazy antics that are in store today, and what funny faces the characters make, uh, of which there are numerous funny faces. Uh, there's quite a liberal amount of fan service in the show, though it is woven into the fabric of the show's absurdity, to the point that it's less distracting than most anime with the same amount to me. Overall, it is a dumb fun show at its core, which isn't a terrible thing. I know there are people who feel like every piece of media they consume has to be as sophisticated as themselves, but uh, I'm not above enjoying something silly from time to time, especially when there does seem to be a decent amount of effort put into the package. And yes, the animation and visuals are quite clean and at times dynamic. The animation never gets as good as what you see in the opening, which is very well done, but like I said, those faces just... whoa. Whether a character wins or loses or experiences some strong emotion, they have to suddenly contract some sort of disease that morphs their faces into an abomination. And while it is cheesy, they are pretty funny for me to watch. Uh, It's the little things in life, you know? I think... That's about it. I mean, none of the characters are particularly compelling to me, um, like my OG gambling waifu Kaiji, but neither did I hate them. Uh, okay, maybe one or two. There's the chronic masturbator girl with the eye patch and the edge lolly that kind of got on my nerves, but I get the impression that the former was at least intentional. Overall, they kind of serve their purposes. Yumeko is... What's written on the tin, the compulsive gambler, and Ryota, the main guy, is the speedwagon of the show, without the meme factor. Everyone else there is just kinda there. So, Kakaguri is another show from Studio Mappa, a company that has produced some well-known shows from Thank You Yes Terror, Kick Shape, and Yaoi on Fire. Their stuff can be a hit or miss, but they do tend to at least have their production values in line consistently. Kakaguri, I will admit, gave me some good times while watching, but I did want just a little bit more substance somewhere, whether it be with the characters, the games, the story, or just, you know, something. It's not something I'll necessarily want to watch again, but I'm glad I at least did once. Kind of like a theme park ride. I'm giving Kakaguri a Netflix. And that rounds it up. Interesting. I was, uh... Looking at some more of those uh, pictures of the faces, <laughs> and I gotta say, uh, yeah. I just love uh, Yume mm-hmm. or Yumeko's her red eyes thing that she gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you should look up the rival girl as well to her. Uh, she also oh, has Mary? like, oh, like, that's like that's the best friend girl. Like she becomes her friend. But, oh, okay. Um, I was talking about like, there's a girl who's like her equal in um. Ah. Kakiguri, yeah, because like okay. you know, there's like a main girl that's the student council president, and they're they're like equals. They're both like the gods of gambling, kind of in this show. And she kind of she has blue eyes instead of red eyes, so that they're kind of opposites. Um, oh, she would be the she would be the Alexander Anderson to the Alucard in this in this scenario. She's called Kirari Momobami. I'll send you a, a link on the Skype. She doesn't have as many funny faces though. She's more like the. You know, like, while Jabami goes over the top, kind of crazy, she's the subdued one. Right, I figured as much. She'd be, like, not just opposite in, 
like color scheme, but oppo opposite in like mm. personality. Yeah, she's all like she's all more reserved. soft-spoken and more reserved. Soft-spoken, yeah. you know. But they both love gambling. That's the uh, yes, you know. Gotta that share a trade in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Gotta gotta keep that hook there. So there's that. Uh, Okie yeah. dokie. Brings yeah. it to uh, my review. And what what did you give it? You gave it to Crackers, right? No, I gave it a Netflix. Oh, Netflix, it, really? Yeah, a decently high. It's a like if I was to do your you know your thing where you put a ratio on it, it's a high Netflix. It's really close to being a Crackers. Ah, okay. But like I said, if it had just a little bit more something, where like oh that character, yeah, I like that character or something, or I like that game. Uh, it just needed a little bit more something somewhere. But the animation was good and the presentation is its best part. But mm, hmm. I, I think Netflix is where it is. Yeah. Yeah, I missed that Netflix. Interesting, interesting on Netflix. All right. Well, then I'll say that is now my shot to get in there with the second season of Konosuba. Mm. So last year, or two years ago now, I think, uh, gave us the first season of Konosuba, an anime about a luckless otaku named Kazuma who died and was resurrected into a world of magic and fantasy. Being allowed to bring one thing with him to face off against the Demon King. He chooses his snarky goddess Aqua, who offered him the deal in the first place. From there, he forms a party with a masochistic crusader named Darkness and a mage named Megumin, who only knows one spell. Hijinks ensue and are mixed into a strangely successful campaign against the forces of evil. This season picks straight up where the previous one left off, with Kazuma being arrested for the destruction of a lord's mansion. Turns out that when he had Wiz, a local shopkeeper and one of the demon king's commanders, teleport the self-destructing core of a giant war machine away at random, it ended up blasting this lord's mansion to pieces. Luckily, it has no one, you know, luckily no one was at his summer home, so no one got hurt. That doesn't end Kazuma's suffering, however, as he is persecuted and charged with being in cahoots with the Demon King. He only gets a minor reprieve when Darkness swallows her pride and reveals she is actually from a very affluent family, known as the Dustness family. But until Kazuma can prove his innocence, all the party's belongings are confiscated as collateral, and Darkness must leave with the arrogant lord, people fearing that she is being the subject of his uh, perversions. Which, for her, would be great, but that's not actually what happens. This makes up one of the arcs of the second season, and includes a lot of screen time for Darkness. The other girls still get some time to shine, but... Of the three, it's Darkness who really gets a double dose of character development. We learn her real name is actually <clears throat> La Latina Dustness Ford, something that embarrasses her to no end. Anytime you call her La Latina, she covers up her face and like, no, stop it, please. And then, which is on, honestly kind of funny because she's very masochistic. So you think, oh, she, you know, if it embarrasses her that much, maybe if you keep doing it, she'll get off on it. But no, it's actually no. just one of those things that her core makes her just very embarrassed. And that her masochistic behavior truly knows no end as uh, because she actually um, 
at one point when she shows back up after from the whole arc, she's wearing a dress, a very revealing dress, but a dress nonetheless. And it's shown that her stay with this lord whose mansion was destroyed was actually just her being prepared to be married off to this other more respectable guy who shows up, who I guess is like one of the Lord's relatives or something like that. And during this time, she actually employs uh, Aqua and Kazuma to help her get rid of him because she doesn't want to get married away because this Lord isn't perverted at all. He has nothing, (laughs) like nothing about it that is, like, interested in her in, like, you know, a sexual way. But when Cosma shows up, you know, like, her clothing is getting torn off and her, her you know, her undergarments are being shown. And she's like, you should learn to maintain a levacious gaze like Cosma here. Or, like, <laughs> it's clear Cosma-san is unrivaled in the art of sexual harassment. Wow. Which, of course, mm. for her is, like, for darkness is just, like, you know, makes her all wet between the legs because she loves that about Cosma. Uh-huh. I mean, she also loves that he doesn't treat her like a sexual object where he kind of just oh. ignores her and she's just like, oh, ignoring me. It's like a new type of play, right? Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, we also have, uh, of course... Um, on the flip side, my favorite character from the last season, Magumen, still makes an appearance to blow stuff up with her explosion spell. But aside from a bathtub scene with Kazuma, she's mostly left in the dark. Huh. We do, however, meet a childhood friend of hers named uh, uh, Yun who constantly challenges Megumin to contests so they can be closer friends. Under the loo that she's just challenging Megumin because she's like, you know, I'm Shobu! I'm challenging you because we, yeah, I will prove I'm better when she just wants to actually be a better friend to uh, Megumin. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cute. She's the kind of character you find adorably sad, though Megumin feels like she loses every time Yuyan's chest bounces around, which is like the only thing that Yuyan has over Megumin immediately. It's just like anytime she shows up, it's like boing, boing, and Megumin just looks down at her own and sighs deeply. Ah, that, that's yeah. In the second arc, after Cosma is actually cleared of all of his charges when he is able to defeat another one of the Demon King's commanders, we follow the group to a brand new city where Aqua is worshipped as the main deity by some rather fanatical parish- parishioners. Uh, on the trip there, however, we actually discover that Cosma has a very reputable skill. And no, I'm not talking about his undefeated status in rock, paper, scissors, or the fact that he has the steel skill that he usually uses to steal away a woman's undergarments. No, I'm just saying that he actually has a skill where, after an attack on the caravan, he repairs duck, or Darkness's armor. Something that both Darkness and Megumin watch with respect and awe. Even I was like, he's not acting perverted at all, he has her best breasts... He has her breastplate in hand, and he's just, like, you know, using a little hammer to tap out the dent that's in it. And then he kind of uses a cloth to, you know, polish off the outer armor, and he fixes it. And it's just, like, it was kind of like watching someone or an artist at, you know, do work. And it was just very relaxing. And I was like, this, 
this is something Cosmo could actually do to earn real money because he's actually mm. pretty good at it. And even Darkness yeah. is like this. This is like almost even better than it was before. So wow. I was pretty interested in seeing more of that. However, that's the only time we see him use that ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it wasn't for his personality, I'd say he could actually be a great support character for his team. Back to the city, though, which is known for its healing hot springs, there is trouble afoot. The springs are being polluted, and while running from a mob who is trying to kill Aqua for claiming to be their goddess in the flesh, the team learns that it is one of the demon lord's commanders, a poison slime, that is the culprit. There is a big old battle with Kazuma creating a strategy that, while he dies, works in defeating the killer slime. Aqua even shows us that she is more than uh, shows us that the more she is worshipped and prayed to, the more damage her physical attacks do. Still, the four are on the run out of town after Aqua purifies the hot springs into normal water. Just you know, it's hot water; it no longer has its healing ability. Uh. But they leave having successfully defeated another commander of the Demon King. I imagine if there is another season, which I don't see why there won't be, we might actually finally see what this Demon King might look like. I suspect we will uh, catch a... We actually caught a glimpse of the Demon King when Kazuma is in the mixed-gendered hot springs. Ah. Though looking back on it now, that might have just been another one of the Demon King's commanders. As he when he was in the mixed hot springs, there was a dark elf-type girl in the hot springs who... Oh wanted out of the uh like wanted to get away because Cosimo was just staring at her the entire time even though it was mixed gender you know so it's like not against it for him to do that it's at the same time it was just one of those things where I was like who is that character because she was talking to the humanoid version of the poison slime and the poison slime seemed to respect her in some respect. So I was like, maybe she's actually the Demon King. And it's going to turn out that she's she doesn't want to maybe be the Demon King or something. Or maybe she's kind uh, of like a wimpy Demon King. He'll, he'll add her to, her, to his growing harem. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> maybe. So well, maybe, maybe it'll be like the guy from Overlord. You know that one you reviewed? It sounds yeah. like it's the same genre. It's the same, same fantasy well, world, I mean, not, not comedy, but I mean, like, maybe it's the Overlord uh, guy. Not really, because in Overlord, like, they kill people in Overlord, like, pretty brutally. In oh, right. Konosuba, the Demon mm-hmm. Lord advisors and generals, they do die, but they don't die in horrible, brutal ways. And ah, sometimes they don't yeah. even die, they just get defeated, and they just leave or you know become something else or even in uh like um the lich uh queen's case who uh runs the shop in the main town that Cosma lives in maybe they just become a shopkeep because that's what she is she's just a shopkeep and mm. she's like all i really did as become the general is i maintained the demon lord's barrier or the demon king's barrier to his place but i don't I'm not going to do that anymore because the Demon King went back on, I guess, a promise that they had made or something. So it's more in line with, like, that show Devil is a Part-Timer, where, like, the devil becomes, like, a, the Demon King kind ends up of. becoming, like, a McDonald's worker and stuff. You heard of that one? Yeah. yeah. It, I think it's actually more of, like, the, uh, 
the one where the guy trains to be a hero, but then like heroes are no longer needed because the uh, the Demon King is defeated, and so he uh-huh. just works at like a convenience store, and it yeah. it turns out like the Demon King's daughter ends up working at the demon at the convenience store as well. Oh, hmm. I forget what that one's that called. One. Yeah, I'm not sure I've seen that one. Uh, or it's an appliance store, not a convenience store. Sorry. Oh, okay. Similar yeah. sort of genre, though, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, comparing the first season with the second season of Konosuba, I want to say that the first was the best in terms of comedic value. The main uh-huh. reason you'll end up watching the anime. But after finishing the second season, I am happy to report the two are on equal footing. It's like the anime never stopped, and as such, it deserves the same score. The animation is simple and to the point, provided by Studio Dean. This is the same studio behind another or other animes like Sakamoto Deska, Sakura, Sankari, or Sankaria, thank you, and uh, Higarashi no Nakoroni. There's flair when it matters, but for all intents and purposes, the anime is easy on the eyes. Voice acting is real different from the season previous to this one. It's all decent work. And as for my favorite character, last season gave us the quirky Megumin, who I liked for her awkward behavior and reliance on Kazuma to get her everywhere because after she casts a spell, she'll kind of collapse from exhaustion. And so Kazuma has to pick her up and piggyback her everywhere. This season, however, darkness takes the cake, proving that even a masochist like myself can wonder if perhaps I have some sadistic tendencies. Darkness, or Miss La Latina, is perverse to a fault. She enjoys being hurt, fantasizes about being aroused or abused by the enemy, and trusts Kazuma over anyone else because of his lustful stares. Though to be honest, with a body like hers, it's hard not to. In fact, her armor usually doesn't do her justice at all, as she reveals that her body has oh so much more to offer when she puts on a dress and a garter belt. So, Konosuba Season 2 gets a Crackers. Ah, okay. So, yeah, same rating as the previous one. Um, yes. I'm, you know, with everything you've said, it's, um, you have to wonder what's wrong with that scissor that, you know, you said that La Latina was betrothed to a guy. Yeah just wasn't interested at all. With everything you said, like, how could he not be? be well, it's not that he wasn't interested, it's that he was more respectful. Like, ah. he wasn't, like, staring at her lavaciously. He wasn't, you know, like, like uh, looking... Yeah, even when she, like, was... Her dress was all torn up and, like, she was doused in water and so, like, her... The remaining part of her dress was sticking to her and her garter belt was, you know, revealed in its full glory... Uh, he wasn't staring at her, like, he even looked away with, like, an embarrassed look on his face. But, you know, Kazuma was just like, oh, that's nice. And, you know, for a girl like Darkness, she was like, I like Kazuma just for him doing that to me. Okay. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat? Yeah, whatever floats your boat. So, yeah, I think that does it for another episode of Anime Pulse. I thank everyone for listening, and until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong.